You know, I'm wearing my um, 2017 Thumbs Down shirt, uh, you know, when the Yankees were fun, because I just like to reminisce on when I had hope. Uh, those were fun times. We could have hope if the Yankees just quit, which is going to be the main drive home point of this episode. Just stop and give up. Um, if, if they just did that, we'll talk about that. Uh, let's talk about everything that's going on right now. Um, episode 545 is this. Of BD4, welcome to the show. I'm your host, RJ. Let's get into it. Cue the intro. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Time! Symmetry creates, and showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. All right, let's do it. Episode 545 of the podcast. Oh, I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and we got some things to talk about. A big series uh, against the Astros just took place. Um, could have been a big series, I guess, for the Yankees, but they split, and that's not good enough. Uh, not at this point. If the Yankees were having a good season, if they were playing their usual 600 ball, competing for the division, um then absolutely you take a split against Houston home or away. But the Yankees aren't in that situation, and we're frustrated. Um, before we get into it, how, did anybody see, what was this? Last night, Saturday night, uh, Chicago White Sox, Cleveland Guardians, um, might be the first time I've said their name correctly without having to correct it, uh, but Tim Anderson got absolutely sucked. Um <laughs> Shit. I don't know. I don't know if there is something heading up to it, but Jose Ramirez slides into second base. Uh, I guess Tim Anderson, who nobody likes, he didn't like it. Uh, the drama queen he is, he was the one to square up first. He threw the first punch, and he ends up getting absolutely sucked, falls on flat on his ass, which, man, watch. If you haven't seen it yet, I don't know where you've been, but watch it. Uh, it, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, I know Josh Donaldson was happy, but I just I, I cannot stand Tim Anderson uh, ever since that Donaldson incident and fucking acting like a drama queen. Uh, and that's what he does. He loves attention, but then he finally gets it and he gets upset about things. And um, he's crying on Twitter already about this. <laughs> it was oh, it's beautiful. It's all it's all museum artwork um it's funny because like i i felt the same way about bautista when he got rocked by odor um everybody hated him uh this might feel better because i just oh i can't stand tim anderson um and if you watch like the press conference uh francona's press conference was pretty great um Trying to act professional, but you could tell he loved it at the same time. I mean, Jose Ramirez was having some fun with it on his Instagram after the game. Uh, you know, posting that photo to a story with the fucking, uh, I don't know, they gave him boxing gloves. It was funny, man. Um, that was pretty cool. You know what, man? I, I, um, I don't know if this was last series, but I just heard about it recently. Uh, and, you know, I don't know why I'm bringing attention to this, but I don't watch ESPN um, I used to watch like Sports Center. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember ESPN Cold Pizza. That was pretty fun. But I haven't watched ESPN since it was like relevant and actually actually about sports and they actually cared about the content they delivered. Um, now it's just all about narratives and clicks. And so I guess ESPN since the Yankees have been a hot topic lately. Um handed Stephen A you know an article or not an article handed him like a 
script and they said, hey, talk about this guy. Because ESPN probably doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. And they probably think the IKF topic is like, they probably gave him IKF. They don't like that he's playing shortstop. They want him out of there. He probably got last year's storyline about IKF. Because for some reason, Stephen A. Smith the other day, on his TV show, his reality show, because that's what it is, starts like complaining about the Yankees, trying to fit in and be like, yeah, I'm with you guys. And he starts talking about Isaiah Conor-Falefa. First of all, he says his name incorrectly about 25 times before Chris Russo in the background has to correct him, and he doesn't even say it correctly. And then he's like, I want him gone. That guy I want. And it's like, that guy hasn't even been a storyline this season. And when people do talk about IKF this year, it's about how much of a bounce-back season he's having in this new role. It's... It's everything that ESPN has become. You know, they just, they don't do their homework. And I go back to a few years ago, I just remember they did the same thing when the Knicks were first, like, starting to show signs. And I, you know what, this might have been before the season they were good, actually. They had Austin Rivers, whenever the year, whatever year Austin Rivers was. Um, and, like, he had a good first month for the team, and they finally got sent down after that because he wasn't doing his thing. But weeks later, they start talking about the Knicks and, and how, like, I'm going really off topic here, but how, like, uh, how good Austin Rivers was doing. And you're sitting there at the time, like, wait, he hasn't been with the team for a little bit. <laughs> it's just, but anyways, it's just like, yeah, ESPN doesn't cover baseball. You know that. How many innings of Yankee baseball do you think Stephen A. Smith has watched this year? How many innings of baseball, period? If you ask them what OPS was, he probably couldn't tell you. He could not tell you. Um it's just, it was funny because, like, you could see how out of touch and they just needed to mention the Yankees because it's been a hot topic in baseball um, after the deadline. It's like, just, just go back to LeBron, go back to NFL, uh, stay away from the Yankees, stay away from MMA. That was a mess. Um, and, and stay away from the whole Knicks thing because, my gosh, it's brutal. But, yeah. Um, as, let's, let's get to some Yankees, um, some, some stuff. Some storylines outside of the game. Um, the Anthony Rizzo injury. We finally got news that it was an injury. Um, turns out he was playing concussed for two months since the Tatis incident in uh, late May. You know, the amount of garbage coming out from this now not utterly disgraceful franchise, but almost headed that way. It's kind of unfathomable. I mean, just the shit that, like, the, between the whole Judge Toe stuff, the Herman Brito debacle, that led to a whole thing we'll talk about in a second. Then you get this Rizzo news. It's just amazing. Simply amazing the way this season is heading. Just. I mean, shit. This happens so often. With injuries and these jackasses, like the judge rib injury from a few years ago, they screwed that up. They screwed up the Frankie Montes thing with the shoulder when he comes over, completely ignoring or misreading his medicals. And it's incredible. It's just incredible. I mean, everyone in their mothers knew and said it has to be the Fernando Tatis thing. It has to be the Fernando Tatis thing. And the Yankees countlessly countlessly during this two-month stretch of Anthony Rizzo being the worst hitter in baseball kept insisting he was healthy. Boone constantly telling us he's good. And here we are. Thursday, August 3rd, the Yankees announced to the world that they let a guy play Major League Baseball for two months with a concussion. I heard that and immediately just cringed from the secondhand embarrassment. Like, I'm embarrassed for my favorite baseball team. But I also, I feel for Anthony. Like, I I really hope there's a lawsuit. Like, I hope somebody loses their damn job, goes to damn jail. Like, I really do. Dr. Ahmed? No wonder why Alex Rodriguez hated that guy. I mean, if you hear the comments that Rizzo made, it's disturbing, man. He said he feels hungover when he wakes up. 
that he's dizzy. He mentions he'd sometimes forget the amount of outs. And when I heard him say that, I was like, holy shit, yes. Because I remember one of the games a few weeks ago, even, when when he did forget the amount of outs. And I was super pissed off at him for it. I remember watching it live. If there's one positive, I guess, you could take from this, um, maybe this is it's good that we finally have some clarity on why Anthony Rizzo was a zero for so long and that he might not just be washed up yet. He didn't just suddenly forget how to hit. I mean, the dude played pro baseball with a goddamn concussion. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, no wonder he's been missing all these fastballs right down the plate. Try hitting a 99-mile-an-hour heater with a concussion. Try hitting a curveball with a concussion. Dizzy enough. Anyways, I, I hope he heals soon. I hope he gets better. And whenever it is that he does fully heal, I hope he returns back to form. Maybe that's, you know, next year. I don't know. But will he be that hitter he was in April, May? No, he, he definitely played over his head even when he was healthy. But, you know, is it possible to say Rizzo can still be an 800 OPS guy? Yeah, I think so. 25 plus homers, yeah. After hearing this news, I'm kind of feeling better that it was an injury. Um, but just again, though, like it's a really bad look for this Yankees organization. Even to their new abominable standards, it's still shocking. This medical staff is... I mean, they fired them. They brought in new people. They suck. It's the Yankees. And with this, um, you're starting to hear rumblings of a Luke Voigt reunion. Luke Voigt was just recently cut by the Mets farm system. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we remember him. Uh, his final year with the Yankees was in 2021. He had some good years with the Yankees. Uh, first comes along in 2018 from St. Louis. Tears the cover off the ball. He was very solid in 2019 across 118 games. Um he had the MVP caliber campaign in 2020 when he played in almost every game on a bad foot during the shortened season. Um, but he wasn't really the same after that. In 2021, he missed 94 games, only played 68 of them. Uh, and he wasn't terrible when he did play, but he definitely wasn't the same. Um, Yankees get rid of him. He spends 2022 with Washington and San Diego. Um, sometime in the bigs, sometime in their system. Then he spends 2023 with Milwaukee, same thing. And then he spends a little bit of this year with the uh, Mets farm team in Syracuse. Uh, and with Syracuse this season, Luke Voigt batted 264 with a 1058 OPS, 14 home runs, 35 RBIs, and that's across 37 games. So, produced some very good numbers down there. Um, and with Rizzo down... Bowers hitting well. Maybe the Yankees take a flyer and we see a righty-lefty platoon with Voigt and Bowers in the near future. Because you know Cashman loves his reclamation projects. You know he loves his reunions. He loves his right-handed power. Um, I, I just have a feeling it's going to happen at some point. They even asked Boone about it the other day and apparently, from what the report said... He was smiling ear to ear, and he seemed open to it. Me personally, I say, why do this? Um, I'm not fully against it. I mean, any help is help, but like, I'd rather not. Like, it'll really just make everything that happened last Tuesday worse, to be honest. Like, oh, you did nothing to help your last place team when the time came, and days later you pick up a has-been off the scrap heap? That's not a great look. But hey, maybe I'll maybe I'll be wrong like I was the first time with Voight, right? Maybe they sign him and he produces, but I don't know. How many right-handed bats can you fit on this roster, man? Like, my Christ. I don't, I don't think Bowers is an everyday player. I think we'll eventually find that out, why he needs to be a part-time uh, platoon guy. But at this point, let him ride out his first base role until Rizzo returns, if he does. And DJ has hit well since the break. He can play a little first base. Um, just stick with this plan, you know? 
if it happens again, whatever, I won't bitch about it. Um, I'm sure there'll be a part of me even that talks myself into the whole reunion thing, being like, oh, it's cool to have him back. But yeah, first choice, I'd rather not. Um, and speaking of the deadline, reports came out at the beginning of the series that Hal apparently handcuffed Brian Cashman at the deadline. Uh, the report said that Cashman was set on selling and offloading multiple pieces last Tuesday, but Hal was the one to say no. That's not a shocker. Money talks. Hal still wants this team contending because it brings in the money. That's all, right? It's the whole anything can happen, crapshoot bullshit, right? Get into the dance and go. Sell tickets, sell chicken, put fans in the seats. That's the business model. Make the playoffs as long as they're a competitive team. That's that's it's gonna get the uh, it's gonna sell tickets, and that's the new business model. It's all pretty hypocritical of Hal because he always talks and he acts like he wants to win. He says, "Oh, if we have to overspend for the sake of winning, we will." Yet when it comes down to it all. All we hear about is this budget they constrain themselves to. All we hear about is the luxury tax, etc. But, yeah, it's Hal who put a halt to everything at the deadline. Apparently it was Severino, Peralta, and I think Bader were all set to be dealt. Um, I think Arizona was one of the teams in, in discussion. But, um... It doesn't excuse Cashman because the reason the Yankees are in that situation is because of Brian Cashman and his lackluster, um, at best, off seasons the last few winters. So, but but that that's this deadline is is Hal, yeah. Um, and then maybe one more, maybe two more things before we get into the uh, recaps. We're getting more information, or we got more information, on the uh, Domingo Herman fiasco. So the news the other day came out. Said uh, it said he checked himself into a rehab. But more came out on the incident that occurred a few days later, which we all knew there was more to it, and now it makes a lot more sense. Um, he was apparently in the clubhouse. I, I guess they said maybe drunk. He smashed the TV. He was trying to fight his teammates, trying to fight Boone. He was throwing shit. He was flipping couches in there. And I think he was like mocking or laughing at Ron Marinaccio as he was packing his bags to get sent down. They tried to send him into the sauna to, to sweat out the alcohol, if that even works. I don't drink, so I don't know. Um, I think Severino and a couple other guys had to try to bring him into the team nap room, which is fucking hilarious that the Yankees have a team nap room, but it's the least shocking thing I've heard in my entire life that Boone's Yankees have a team nap room. Not knocking it. I'm just saying it's not shocking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I heard all that and it's like, man, it's really hard to, to root for this guy. Like the dude is a scumbag. Um, I, I, I wish him the best, but I don't want like, there's, there's no way he's coming back to baseball next year. Right. He's obviously getting cut in the winter by the Yankees. You don't act this violent towards your team, your manager, and then come back from that. Um, but that's not breaking news. He'll probably never pitch an inning again in Major League Baseball. I, I can't see any scenario of him making a comeback. Um, so that happened. And then lastly, before we begin and get into everything, um, right-handed pitcher Johnny Brito... Uh, after the game today on Sunday, as I'm recording, it's Sunday night, August 6th. Um, he was optioned back to Scranton after today's loss. Uh, they used him today. They used him a few times um, this series uh, or in the last week or two. But, yeah, which obviously that's the move for, I, I'm assuming, uh, Jonathan Loisaga, who will return for this week's Chicago White Sox series, so. After that, the Yankees officially have everybody back from the disabled list. Um, so there's no, this guy's coming back, that guy's coming back to save us anymore. Not that that was ever a thing with Johnny Lasagna. Solid reliever, um, but like, you know, that's the excuse that Aaron Boone likes to use. So if the Yankees aren't undefeated with Nestor, Lasagna, and Judge, 
um, we're going to get on his ass. So that's it. Let's head to break, get back, and then when we come back, we'll start recapping this series. Stay with us. Episode 545 of BD4. I'm your host. Be right back. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 545 of the podcast. So, um, we might as well just get right into it. Thursday was the first game of this four-game series at Yankee Stadium against the Astros. And the Yankees, they won the first game 4-3. to um, It was Clark Schmidt going up against Christian Javier, who was one of the guys who combined for that no-hitter last season against the Yankees. Uh, this was a Fox game, so it kind of had that playoff feel. Uh, bottom of the first, the Yanks started up 3 nothing. You have the Aaron Judge walk, and then Stanton and McKinney go back-to-back for home runs. Uh, top of the second, Clark Schmidt gives two runs back. He walks Alvarez. Abreu gets the base hit. You have the wild pitch to McCormick that advances the runners to uh, second and third. Uh, then he gets a strikeout, but then a ground out scores a run, and then he issues the base hit to Maldonado to make it 3-2. to two. Uh, Schmidt ends up going 5, and then it's Peralta, King, Canley, and Holmes. Um, in the top of the 6th, Houston ties the game uh, off of Wandy Peralta. Wandy lets up the home run to Kyle Tucker to make it 3-3. Three to three. Peralta did not have a good series. Um, bottom of the 6th, the Yankees do take the lead back. Bader walks, he steals 2nd, and then Volpe... Gets the big hit with a single the other way, and that puts the Yankees up 4-3. to three. Uh, King goes an inning and two-third. He strikes out two. Canely goes a perfect eighth inning, although the Alvarez flyout did scare me. Um, and then Holmes gets the save in the ninth inning. Altuve makes the final out, and the Yankees win 4-3. to three. Four runs on five hits, a couple homers, six walks, eight strikeouts, one for three in scoring position. It was nice to knock Christian Javier out of the game in the fifth inning. Um, a lot of deep counts against the Houston Astros pitching in this game. Uh, I loved the six walks on the night. Yankees were working walks all series. Um, Glaber two for three with the walk. Stanton one for four. Homer two RBIs. McKinney one for four an RBI. Volpe one for two a walk and an RBI. Judge zero for three a walk and Ben Rortfeld couple of walks. Um. Clark Schmidt, five innings, two runs, a walk, a hit batter, two wild pitches, no home runs, 82 pitches in the no decision. Um, We will talk more on Clark Schmidt and his start later. Uh, And that was really it for um, for the first game of the series where, once again, the Yankees took the win four to three. As Clay Holmes there, if you're watching the YouTube edit, gets the final out. The second game of this series on Friday night went to Houston. Uh, the Astros took it 7-3 to because, of course, when Luis Severino pitches, you lose. It was Severino versus Brown, so it was, uh, the, it was the punt game. This was the punt game. Uh, Severino somehow allowed to start this game. He had no Aaron Judge, and this was against one of the few teams right in front of you in the wildcard game, so that was nice. Um, top of the first inning, Severino does his thing. He lets up the leadoff double to Altuve, right on cue with the New York crowd jeering him. Uh, And then later he issues a walk to Tucker, and then he leaves the pitch right smack in the middle to Diaz for an opposite field home run. And just like that, in the top of the first inning, it's 3-0 Houston. Bottom of the first inning, the Yankees, they put two on base with one out, and they get nothing out of it. Uh, McKinney almost drives in two with what would have been a triple, but Myers makes a very nice play in center field. Uh, top of the second, Severino continues to be a mess. Two walks issued to the bottom of the order. Then he allows another hit to Altuve. This loads the bases. And then in a three-ball count to Bregman, 
he plunks him. And this puts another run across. It's 4 nothing Astros. Um, Yanks crack the board in the bottom of the third when Jake Bowers goes the other way. Um, he hits the bottom of the um, left field foul pole for a solo home run. It's 4-1. to one. Top of the fifth, though, Severino does it once more as a parting gift where he allows a leadoff bomb to Alvarez, who goes down and gets one on him. It's 5-1 to one Houston. And then from there, the Yankees insert their official punt pitcher, their punter in Alberta Abreu. Um, it's when they officially concede. Bottom of the fifth, they do get another. IKF with two outs goes the opposite way with a solo shot, makes it 5-2. Um, but in the top of the sixth, the Astros officially put an end to this baseball game. Abreu gets in trouble with first and second, two outs. Boone pulls him for Nick Ramirez, who walks the bases loaded. Then he hangs a breaking ball to Tucker for the two-run double. It's 7-2 Houston. Uh, Yanks have a chance in the bottom of the seventh, but they do nothing with it. You have the DJ leadoff double. Uh, Bader walks for first and second with no outs, but Volpe strikes out. Judge pinch, hit, pinch hits, and he strikes out. And then Connor Falefa, he can't get it done. Um, bottom of the eighth, the Yanks score one more run on a solo shot. This time it's Stanton to make it 7-3. to three. Thanks, pal. Uh, but top of the ninth, Middleton makes his debut for the Yankees in garbage time. He gets three quick outs. And then in the bottom of the ninth, the Yankees lose 7-3 to three as they don't muster up anything. Um, in the game, three runs on... Eight hits, three home runs, three walks, eight strikeouts, 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. Bowers and LeMayu had a couple of hits. LeMayu had a double in there. Uh, Bowers, Stanton, Connor Falefa, home run. Yeah, I mean, multiple opportunities in this one, like all series, for the Yankees to crack open a big inning, but nothing happened. Bottom of the first, he had a shot. Bottom of the seventh, but both times they come up empty. Um, Severino in this game, four plus innings, five runs, five hits, two home runs, three walks, a hit batter, 87 pitches, and the loss. More on Luis Severino later as well. And um, that's it for game two, which was again Friday night, uh, where the Yankees lose 7-3. to three. Game three of the series, the Yankees won on Saturday 3-1. to one. Uh, Nestor Cortez makes his debut not debut, but makes his first start since, when did he go down in May? And then Justin Verlander makes his first start of the season for the Astros after being traded back there, which we all knew would happen. Um, bottom of the first inning, the Yankees get a chance to score on Verlander, but they get zero. Uh, he had two outs. Glaber and Stanton drew a pair of back-to-back walks, but then DJ LeMayu strikes out on a failed check swing going upstairs in the zone. Um... Bottom two, the Yankees do score, though, and they strike first. IKF to lead off base hit. Bader doubles off the wall. You have the Volpe sack fly to center field, plus some very good base running by Bader to tag for third. And the Yankees go up one nothing. Top of the third, Altuve finally does what was bound to happen at some point in this series. Um, he goes deep for a game-tying solo home run off of a Nestor Cortez cement mixer cutter. Uh, and then the bottom of the third comes and the Yanks screwed up. Stanton gets the two-out double. And then DJ, the base hit to center field. But I'm telling everybody at this time, I'm yelling at the TV, don't send Stanton. But of course, they send Stanton. Um, dude, the entire universe knows he cannot move his lower body at this point in his career. He's basically paralyzed from the waist down. They're clearly also telling Stanton to jog because they know if Stanton moves his hips left or right the slightest centimeter, he's pulling something. So why send him? How incompetent must you be to make that signal? They send him and stands out by a good 20 feet. I mean, he's halfway from third to home and the catcher's just waiting for him there. It is insane. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. It was one of the most dumb things Luis Rojas could have done, and he and he managed to pull it off and send him. I was saying the second DJ made contact with that ball that goes to center field, don't send him. 
keep him at third because we know what's going to happen. They send him, and he's out before he even rounds third. I mean, it was insane. Anyways, Nestor, that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> Nestor Cortez is done after four innings with the pitch limit. Um, Hamilton, Kane, King, and then Clay Holmes pitched the rest of the way. Um, top of the fifth, Ben Rorfed makes a nice throw. Chaz McCormick tries to seal second base, but Rorfed with a quick release and a strong throw gets him. And then the bottom of the fifth comes and the Yankees take the lead. Jake Bowers takes Verlander deep to right field. He puts the Yanks up 2-1. to one. Bottom of the seventh, that's when Verlander finished his line of work. Bowers have a two-out base hit. Dusty, Baker's, uh, Dusty Baker comes out to check with Verlander's uh, to see if he wants to stay in the game. He stays in to face Judge, gets Judge to pop it up, and then that's his night. Um, bottom of the eighth, the Yanks get a massive insurance run versus the Houston bullpen. Glaber takes Graveman to right center for a leadoff solo home run. It's 3-1. to one. They had a chance to break it open for comfort. Stanton and LeMahieu reach, but Connor Falefa and Bader can't get it done. Uh, and then top of the ninth, though, fortunately, Clay Holmes was good enough to get the save, his second of the series. He goes 1-2-3, and the Yanks win 3-1. to one. Three runs on nine hits, three walks, four strikeouts, one for seven with runners in scoring position. Bowers, Glaber, and Stanton with two hits. Bowers, Glaber, and Volpe with RBIs. Obviously, Bowers and Glaber hit home runs. Uh, they let Verlander off the hook again. Seven innings, two runs, four strikeouts. Uh, they had him on the ropes early a few times. Traffic on the bases, high pitch count. But like always, they find a way to get Verlander seven innings of good baseball. It's it's funny, man. I was thinking about it. Verlander has been so good with the Houston Astros in what was supposed to be the downside part of his career that it makes you forget about Detroit Tigers Verlander. Like when he had nothing to do with the Yankees, when we could like him, love him. And like, we were like, I loved him on the Tigers and he spent 13 seasons there, 13 seasons with Detroit. And in half of that time with Houston, he's been so elite. You forget that the Detroit part of his career is what made him a hall of famer. I think his Houston tenure has just solidified it. It's it's crazy how good he's been with them. They're doing something right with their analytics. I'm not saying they're cheating with him, but I guess they're just really good with their analytics. Uh, on the flip side, Nestor was good in his limited action. Four innings, one run, one hit, one walk, eight strikeouts, a homer, 64 pitches. For as limited as he was, he looked very sharp. The velocity was up. He was working quickly like he does. He was attacking with that same formula, right? Fastball heavy, changing eye levels. He was going upstairs. He was 72% fastballs and 28% off speed. So four seam cutter and two seam. Uh, that was the uh, plan of action he went with. And then occasionally mixed in the slider and changeup. Uh, eight strikeouts with that formula. It was very encouraging to see Nestor return and have an outing like that. Um in the bullpen, five innings, no runs, eight strikeouts, and the Yankees win. Sunday, uh, we don't have the graphic up on the screen if you're watching the YouTube edit, but the Yankees lose 9-7 to today. Carlos Rodon um, didn't have it again. Uh, the Yankees score first with a Glaber homer in the, in the first inning, but top of the second and third, Rodon does his thing. Two walks plus the Myers three-run home run the second inning, and then you get the Alvarez two-run shot in the third inning to make it 5-1 Houston. Rodon goes a pathetic two and two-thirds innings. Uh, the Yankees rally to tie the game in the bottom of the fourth. Bader, the RBI single, makes it 5-2. Volpe, with the bases loaded, he's hit in the elbow by a spinner. It's 5-3. And then you get walks from Bowers and Judge with the bases loaded Whoops, to tie it up at 5. Um... Top of the six comes, though. Peralta struggles. Boone kind of blows it. Peralta clearly doesn't have it in the sixth inning after being really good in the fifth. Walks, uh, single in there, a couple of homers in there. But it's like, why in the world is Wandy Peralta, a left-handed reliever, as good as he's been against both sides, why is he facing six consecutive righties? That is a little, a little much. 
Um, yeah, he surrenders home runs to Maldonado and Myers. Houston takes the uh, the nine to five lead, and that was it right there. Any runs the Yankees got from there felt a little empty. Like, oh great, but we still have so much more hill to climb. But I, yeah, I did not love the move to just leave Peralta out to dry like that. Um, bottom of the sixth, the Yankees do get one. Glaber doubles nine to six. Seventh inning, they have a massive chance to tie the game. But, of course, Stanton and LeMahieu blow it. Bottom of the eighth, the Yankees put together a big rally, but they only get one run out of it. Yeah, the base is loaded with two outs for Bader as the leading run, and he singles to right field to score one. It's 9-7. to seven. But after that, Volpe with a pretty bad at-bat, hacking at the first pitch he sees, and he comes up short to deep center. I don't give two shits if it was a, a slider middle-middle. You are Anthony Volpe. You are a rookie. You're inexperienced. You're not very good. Um, and so you have no business swinging first pitch in a game where the Houston Astros have been walking the entire ballpark all day. You very simply do not do that. And so in the bottom of the ninth, Yanks, again, they tease. They get in position to do big things, but they don't get the big hit. Uh, McKinney draws the leadoff walk, pinch hitting for Higashioka in the ninth spot. Then Torres draws a two-out walk later. Then you have Stanton up at the plate representing the winning run, and what does he do? Well, the cleanup hitter for the Yankees finishes his afternoon with a big old 0 for 6 with zero RBIs. And so the Yankees lose 9-7. to 7. Uh, Rodon, 2 and 2 thirds, 5 runs, 3 hits, couple walks, 5 strikeouts, 2 homers, 58 pitches, and the undeserving no decision. He deserves a loss. Uh, more on him later. The bats, 7 runs. So, yeah, the, the seven runs look good and all, but when you really peel it back, you put 21 guys on base today in nine innings. Eight hits, 12 walks, and a hit batter. You failed in scoring position nine of 12 times. You left 15 runners on base overall. And the only three Yankees, uh, or only three Yankees, picked up hits today. They all had multi-hit games, but... Seven other guys didn't contribute with hits. Uh, the seventh inning, even the eighth inning, the ninth inning, just brutal. <laughs> Astros pitchers were literally giving away the game to you on a goddamn golden platter. You have got to do more than you did. The cleanup hitter can't be doing an 0 for 6. Aaron Judge can't be going 0 for 12 this series. But you know what? That's what he does. The guy disappears in every big game he plays. An Astros game, a postseason game, if it's anything remotely big, the captain's probably not coming through for you. And I don't care how many feelings I just hurt there. Judge doesn't usually get the big hit. He had a few big hits earlier in his career. He'll scatter them throughout his season. But most of the time, when the lights shine the brightest, I just I get this feeling that I don't I don't feel confident with him. So he doesn't come through. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, I guess, because he's just coming back. He's got the toe thing. But sorry, man. I'm sorry. It's late in the season. We kind of need your production right now. And he's not doing it. Um, so that was the series. The four-game series where the Yankees ended up splitting. Again, I'd take a split any other season. But right now, we kind of need some, some hot streaks going here. Uh, we'll talk more when we return from break. Episode 545 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Be right back. Stay with us. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ. So, um, yeah, this, the Yankee rotation is a problem. We went into the preseason thinking and, and saying this rotation had potential to be the best staff in baseball at worst top three. Remember? I was saying that constantly. Every Yankees fan on Twitter was calling it the number one rotation. If healthy, you got Cole, Seve, Rodon, Cortez, and a full year of Frankie Montes. Well, Outside of Garrett Cole, who has been 
as advertised, okay, yo, Schmidt has been inadequate number five, sure. He has a four three five year rate. Excuse me. Uh, Cortez missed significant time. He wasn't good at the beginning of the season. He looked good on Saturday, though. He has a 4.97 ERA. And let's assume Nestor is going to be somewhere between where he was the last two seasons, elites, and where he was earlier this year, lackluster. Like, let's say he's a decent number three, a five and fly guy who you pull before the third time through, right? Let's say he's that. Is that even enough, though? Though, is it enough? Because Johnny Brito, who I guess he just got sent down. He sucked anyway. Uh, Rodon missed significant time. He's been shit since he's come back. He's got a 7.33 ERA. Severino missed significant time. He's been shit since coming back. He has a 7.74 ERA. I mean, everything has just gone wrong. The rotation has been so the opposite of what everyone hoped and thought it'd be. It's amazing. It's alarming. Carlos Rodon, Rodon Rodon, I don't even know what it is at this point. Whoever, Carlos, two and two-thirds innings today in a make-or-break game for him. He worked a 1-2-3 first. That was exciting, seeing Bregman strike out after the 3-0 count. But after that, it all fell apart once again for him. The guy just, it, it doesn't seem like he's it. I'm sorry. I'm trying. I really am. And maybe you count this season as a wash for him, trying to come back from injury. Maybe he comes back next year stronger. But I, I, I might pay for that down the line, and I would love to. I would be glad to. But I just, I, right now, I don't see it. He is a laboring machine. If he's getting injured this often, what's to say he's not going to get injured as he gets older? Like, he labors, he labors, labors, walks, hits, hitting batters, home runs. The pitch count is always high. There's no rhythm when he's on the mound. He has a poor command of his pitches inside the strike zone. When you miss inside the zone, that's the worst kind of bad command to have. And, And something that's been scaring me I've mentioned it a few times. The guy throws two pitches. He throws two pitches, and I'm supposed to believe he's going to be an elite arm? Fastball slider. Fastball slider. Fastball slider. It's like, like, God, you got to flash the curveball once in a while. Just flash it. Show. You got to show. Work with Pettit. We mentioned this already. Add a cutter to your resume. Work with him. Work with Matt Blake. You know, we talked about how he likes adding the changeup to a lot of these guys' arsenals. That's what they've done. Do something. Because that fastball right now, it's not a good pitch. It's not working. Sure, you're throwing it hard, but you're missing with it. And it just, it's, it's, he, I just, doesn't, I don't know, man. I don't get the vibe that he's going to be for New York. The guy doesn't seem to control his emotions well. He seems like a fake tough guy, like he tried too hard with the offseason quotes. Says he understands the pressure, he loves the booze, right? He said in the offseason he wished San Francisco was like that or something like that. But then he comes here, he pitches like trash, he gets flack for it from the fans, and he gets into it with the fans walking off the, the field. Like, what, what, what a phony, what, what a phony hypocrite. I, It's crazy, I just, I don't see it, man, I don't see it. And now we've got this hamstring issue going on, by the way. He says he's fine, but again, with this Yankees medical staff, it's been a mess. And it's been a mess that's not making me optimistic. Uh, this season so far for Rodone, 7-3-3 ERA, 27 innings, 8 home runs, a 152 whip. Not the guy we thought we were getting. Last year, he had a 288 ERA, 178 innings, 12 home runs, in a 103 whip. That is vastly different. Oh man, this looks bad. And it looks very bad for him, for the Yankees, and for Cashman. Now, did Yankees fans want this move? Sure, I was pumped. But Cashman really sat there and thought he could add Rodone and completely ignore the bats and all would be okay. I mean, really? Shit. 
especially with Rodon's injury history, you'd think Cashman would at least have made some other moves to shore things up for some insurance. It's just like we keep talking about potential, potential, potential of this staff, the upside of this rotation. Well, everybody's back now, and we still have automatic losses in two of the five spots. You're not winning when Rodon and Severino pitch. You're not winning those games. They're automatic losses after the first inning. Severino, my Christ, this guy, you can't keep this guy in the rotation. You can't do that. It's despicable how they let him make another start following the Baltimore game. That should have been the final straw. I mean, after the deadline, you come out and say, oh, you're staying the course and you're in it to win it and you're confident and then you let this guy pitch for you? Cashman, Boone, total clowns to the highest degree. Master level clowns. A degree and clownery. The guy literally called himself the worst pitcher in baseball after that Baltimore outing. And then you let him come out and make a big start against the Astros? That's terrible for him. The guy's sitting at the bench crying almost after this start. I mean, it's a big start in a game where you're trying to beat the team right in front of you, or not right in front of you, but in front of you in the wild card race. And you let him make this start. He's a mess. His mechanics look off. It doesn't seem like he's getting full extension on his release. He seems very crouched. Is he tipping pitches? I don't know. At this point, I just think he's washed. Like, he's just pitching like shit consistently. I think he's washed. That's all. He leaves everything in the middle of the plate. His fastball sucks. He can't generate a swing and miss anymore. Everything is hard contact. He puts traffic on the bases nonstop now with the walks. He hit a batter in this game. He's an absolute mess. And he doesn't deserve to throw another inning for the Yankees. I don't even want him anywhere near the bullpen. Like, I want, unfortunately, Luis Severino to be off the roster. That's what's going to satisfy me. Luis Severino being DFA'd for good and out of my life, that's kind of what I want. It's sad, because I love this kid. But it's unfortunate, because, I mean, I, I, I just... I have a feeling that's not going to happen. I have a feeling, at best, the Yankees will either, you know, do the fake DL thing, or they'll throw him in the bullpen. Like... Because they don't have the balls or the competence, and they love hanging on to guys forever because of the back of their baseball card, quote-unquote, right? That They stick to guys forever. Hicks, Donaldson, Gallo, Severino now, you name it. Like It's it's all they do is they force guys on you when everybody else but themselves see it. So, yeah, with, with this rotation, enough with the whole upside bullshit. Like, at some point, you just got to look up and you see that it's August 6th, you're 70% of the way through the season, and your rotation is 17th in the RA. And that's including Garrett Cole's American League leading 264. So it is, it is what it is at this point. Everything taken in account. This is what it is. The Yankees are 17th in starting pitching. It's below average. We complain about the offensive production or lack thereof a lot. right? There's only so much you can say about that, though. Stanton's not the same dude. LeMahieu's washed up. Judge doesn't look right yet. Volpe's been pretty bad. It's the few same storylines. Lack of left-handed hitters. Washed up veterans. No contact hitting. No consistently. The same shit. We talk about that every episode. But this rotation, I feel like I've gone so far into the season without really addressing and criticizing them. Just because I felt at some point they turn it on and do business. But I've, I've kind of found reality. Again, sometimes you just got to stop overthinking and look at the time. Check your watch. It's August 6th, folks. Baseball ends after September. It's August 6th and this rotation still hasn't performed up to their expectation. We'll be right back when we return. We'll talk a little bit about the urgency of this Yankees team some more because we haven't talked about that enough yet. (laughs) If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to BD4Blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening 
to episode 545 of the podcast. The urgency is just not there. And it's starting to leak down to the players. I mean, it's been doing that. We know about Boone. Every night, Boone thinks it's okay. 18 strikeouts, no problem. The other at-bats were great. He'll go out of his way to praise the 1%, even if the 99% was bad. They asked Boone after the game today about leaving Peralta in to face all those right-handed bats, and it was the same garbage. Uh, We have this fake rule where where we don't want to use this guy this many times because we're thinking about the playoffs that we're not going to make, right? Or, oh, we're planning on using Canely in the 15th inning today. Like, like, it's never about the win today, right? That's never the priority. Because the process is what matters to the Yankees, right? Just loser shit. Loser fucking shit from a loser fucking manager with a loser fucking mentality. That's all it is. And I mentioned how I'm a believer in, I guess, the domino effect. Like, I believe that that mentality that he carries trickles down to the players. I think it trickles down on the field, in their heads. Like, we've seen terrible fundamentals from them. Losing focus in the field, on the bases, getting lazy, dumb, low IQ, kindergarten mistakes in the big leagues. Today, we got a quote from Bader, pretty much summarizing that exact mentality. Paraphrasing here, but what he said today was along the lines of, he's not concerned at all. They're not concerned. They love the brand of baseball the Yankees are playing, and they'll win if they play this brand going forward. He said that today after a loss. So when are they going to be concerned? When they're officially eliminated? Because that's pretty easy. Like, what's that point for them? They just—they—they seem like a bunch of losers, like a bunch of losers, and that's very difficult to root for, and pretty easy to root against. I don't like many of these guys. I have a hard time rooting for them, but I have to because I'm a Yankees fan. But I, I just—you know, man, this team just needs to stop. They need to stop. Stop trying and give in. I just need them to stop. Stop pretending. Stop messing around. Stop. You know, I said I need seven or eight wins on this stretch against Baltimore, Tampa, Houston. The Yankees got four. Then I said three out of four against Houston would have done something for my confidence. The Yankees split. And this final game was such a perfect setup for it to be the game of the season. Another one of those. Right, the Yankees are down big. They make a few rallies. They have some guys with massive opportunities to crack open the scoreboard for the big hit of the season. Stanton, Volpe, LeMay, who had chances. Torres, so you can't blame him in the one at bat where he didn't get a hit. It was frustrating. I just, I can't gain any confidence because this team simply can't gain any momentum. They're allergic to any type of win streak or even a hot streak at this point where they can rattle off 8 of 9 or 9 of 10 or 10 of 12. I'd love to know the last stretch of 10 games where the Yankees won at least 7. All they do is play 500 ball. And I guess that makes sense now, right? Because you look up and that's exactly what their record is. The Yankees, as we stand here tonight, are an abhorrent 58-54. and They gained no ground this series and actually lost ground, now 4.5 out of the wild card spot. Which is pathetic in itself how that's now the new standard we're reaching for. But, yeah, the Yankees are now trying to make the playoffs, and that's what you get when you choose to do zero at the trade deadline. So, I need them to stop. Because in a competent organization, they probably try doing something progressive and smart and different. They sell at the deadline. But because their name is the New York Yankees, it's all about the brand and the business model. Oh no, we can't sell. We don't want to lose tickets. Any other organization, maybe they even let Judge get the surgery because he doesn't look good. Um, or, or they DFA Severino, or, or at worst, they'll get him out of the rotation, at least. And they promote their young prospects. They let them take these roles. Pereira will play some outfield, right? That's what should be happening right now. The service, the service time thing ends after August 19th. We got to get service time. Bader's not going to be here next year anyway, so why does he have to play every day? Florial, shit, Jason Dominguez, 
He's heating up. Eli Fishman, the number two pro, uh, broadcaster for the Somerset Patriots, tweet earlier tonight, he had one, that said um, Dominguez in his last 24 games, 343 average, 417 on base, 500 slug, 917 OPS, three homers, 19 ribbies, 15 runs, and how about 11 stolen bases in those 24 games? He's hitting. I don't expect him to be with the team this year, but let Austin Wells get a chance to, to catch behind the dish. Let Oswald Peraza back up to play some infield. Like, let guys come and play up here. Pause. Let guys like Vasquez or Clayton Beater get a shot in this rotation or in the bullpen. Plan for next year. But that's in that's in a competent, well-ran organization where that happens. We're talking about Hal Steinbrenner's Yankees, Brian Cashman's Yankees, and Aaron Boone's Yankees. But who's to say you call these kids up and they start losing a bunch? Who's to say they can't win just as much as this team is, which is four games above 500? Like, I don't know. So that's my thing. Stop. Stop pretending. Stop acting. And give up. I can't believe I'm saying that. But yeah, at this point, you're not winning shit. Glaber Torres. Tipping my cap to him this series. He gets an award. Yeah, he was great. Eight hits, 571 batting average this four-game series. Uh, a double, two homers, three RBIs, four walks, one strikeout only, four runs scored, and a 1738 OPS. His average on the year is up to 270. If he gets that OPS into the 800s and he sustains it, most importantly, we'll be talking about a very good Glaber season, which we haven't done that in a while. It's our fifth time this season tipping our caps to Glaber. So good for him. And among the starting pitchers, Clark Schmidt is getting our respect. Five innings, two runs, four strikeouts, a walk, four hits, four singles. 82 pitches, 51 more strikes, and he got the no decision in game one against the Houston Astros. He's having a good year. Uh, In this game, he was a little bit wild. This was Thursday. You know, got off to a rough start, but he settled down and he pitched a strong game. Uh, he's got a 3.63 ERA since May. That's 16 starts. And in 15 of those 16 starts, he's given up three runs or less. But, yeah, he was good. He mixed it up well with his secondary pitches. He was 35 cutter. And then he went 19 sinker, 15 slider, 30, uh, 13 curve. So, he continues to have himself a decent season for the Yankees. And now that the deadline is passed and he's still here... I'm looking forward to having Clark Schmidt around as the number five in the future. You know, I, I didn't think he could do it. I didn't. I, I thought he was a platoon, righty-on-righty guy of the bullpen. Um, I didn't think he could get lefties out. I didn't think he could start with the whole third time through the order thing. And those are still some of his deficiencies for sure. But he's pitched well enough to be able to navigate around those flaws and be a decent number five. So it's the fifth time this season where Clark is getting an award, tipping our caps to him. Uh, And then in the bullpen. Why not? Give it to uh, Keenan Middleton. Keenan Middleton debuted for the Yankees. He was their big acquisition of the deadline. He pitched this series, and he he did well. Three innings of perfect baseball, five strikeouts, uh, two no decisions, but he was great. Uh, I don't know much about this kid other than he's a rental who was having a so-so season with Chicago. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he found something here and he started pitching well because that's what the Yankees do. They use their analytics very well when it comes to pitching. Um, Again, Matt Blake's done well with the guys. And so, yeah, Cashman's good at finding relievers. So credit there. And if you're watching the YouTube edit, um, I've got... What's his fucking name? I've got Keenan Middleton. Keenan in a Chicago White Sox uniform because I couldn't find a graphic with him in a Yankee uniform yet. But, um, yeah, and and this will obviously be his first time, uh, our first time tipping our caps to Keenan Middleton. Um, If you want to end on a positive, (laughs) uh, let's nitpick here and try to find some good stuff. A couple guys hitting. There are some guys hitting. Uh, Jake Bowers might be a keeper. You know, I was tough on Jake Bowers at first, but he's quietly having a good season with the Yankees. 
and in any other season where the Yankees at least give you false hope, he's getting the recognition that guys like Gio Urshela had, Luke Voigt had, Cameron Mabin had. But unfortunately, the Yankees aren't playing well this season, so he's not really getting that recognition. But he's been good. He's provided good run production, extra base hit guy, solid eye at the plate, and a good swing, a very good swing. He's got an 8-10 OPS on the year, 14 doubles, 11 home runs, 25 RBIs, 21 walks, 60 games. He's got a nice lefty swing, perfect for that short porch. He hit one on the second deck this series. And I think he's a perfect guy to keep around in the future as a platoon lefty bat to come off the bench and occasionally start. And for now, he's your starting first baseman with uh, Rizzo on the shelf. But yeah, I mean, we've seen in the past randoms come here who are nobodies elsewhere, but they thrive because of that short porch, right? So if we get... If we get all over Cashman for what he's done wrong, and he's done so much wrong, let's at least give the guy credit for a good find in, in Jake Bowers. It was a smart move. And that's what he's good at, right? Two things Cashman can do. One, he can turn any Joe Schmo reliever into gold. So maybe this Middleton guy comes becomes elite. Uh, and then two, he can find those diamond in a rough bats that nobody knows. Um, and also DJ LeMayu. Has been hitting since, uh, if you want to say since the All-Star break, or if you want to say since the Sean Casey hiring. Maybe that had a little bit to do with it. Um, 306 average with an 830 OPS since the break. Seems to be pulling the ball with a lot more power. He's going the other way again, too. He looks like DJ LeMayhew, which is good. And I'm, I'm not saying he's back or that he's good again, but what I am saying is if the Yankees do want to get into the dance... Two months of a good DJ LeMayu would certainly help. That's all they need. And that's it. I think we're going to wrap it up here. We are over an hour. This is a pretty long episode. Again, a four-game series against the Astros. Lots to talk about. So I think we covered it all. So we'll head to break, come back, and wrap it up with our trivia. And that'll be that. Stay with us. Episode 545 of the podcast. Be right back. Studio 69 Productions is a production company that allows content creators of all genres to market their podcast or whatever project they're working on. It's an online platform that will promote your content no problem. All you have to do is get in touch with film director and podcast producer Leo Rodriguez from Say No More Podcast, and you're good to go. You can find him on Instagram at Studio69NJ, Studio69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Sorry about that. I was fucking watching my Instagram. I forgot I had the mic on. I'm not on mute. It was on mute. <laughs> I was watching, uh, actually watching the uh, Jose Ramirez punch again. All right, let's wrap this up with our trivia question. Let's get to it. All right, so for this episode, episode uh, 545 of the podcast, our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day is, true or false, Babe Ruth won every game he pitched for the Yankees. Is that true or false? True or false, Babe Ruth won every game he pitched for the Yankees. So let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout out in the next episode. And that's it. Episode 545 is in the books. I'm your host, RJ. And with that, I will see you in the next show. But the Yankees split versus the Astros, and that's not good enough. I'll see you in 546. Um, we'll see what happens. We got Chicago. We got a road trip, a long road trip coming up. With uh, Let's see real quick. I think it's the White Sox, actually, uh, starting tomorrow. Yep. So... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine game road trip. Two off days in between. 
with Chicago, Miami, and Atlanta. So if the Yankees want to, to gain some ground, I mean, you really need to go 7-2. and two. Six and three would be at best neutral, right? And like, who here believes the Yankees can rattle off seven of nine? Because I don't. That's it. I'll see you later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there. If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you, and we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks!